the COVID-19 pandemic has ravaged our country. Hundreds and thousands of people are dying and falling sick every day, with cases rising and resources diminishing, as the second wave picks up its pace in India. But there's also a silent crisis happening in parallel, and that's in education. Let's get an idea of what the impact has been on private schools. Here, I spoke to a teacher from a private school in Bangalore who teaches first and second grade students. She actually requested to remain anonymous owing to an NDA that the school requires all teachers to sign. The main problem with our students has been the setback with language, especially Hindi and Kannada, as computers are not very friendly when it comes to the teaching of these languages. And we have a very big fear that this might cause some serious learning setbacks. Before the pandemic, we had classes for reading, public speaking, drama, and things like that. And the students were given opportunities to speak on stage during assemblies, annual day performances, speech days, sports day, etc. Uh, but now, which helped them polish these skills of, you know, reading and overcoming uh, stage fear. With the pandemic, however, it's been such a huge challenge and students are finding it very difficult to read their textbook work, leave alone something new. And on the government school level, the past year has been gut-wrenching for students from low-income households. Here's Ria Peters, a Teach for India fellow. So I teach a class um, of 40 kids, 8th graders, in a small government school in Bangalore. 40 is also honestly an ideal number because a lot of these students have had to drop out. Um, either they completely dropped out of the school or they weren't accessing our online education for, let's say, nine months. And they started coming back to school in the month of January when schools restarted. Uh, so the numbers, you know, kind of kept fluctuating because of the pandemic. And majority of these kids um, honestly come from marginalized communities. If we zoom out of these two specific cases, these kinds of issues are happening with children everywhere in India as they are looking at a fresh academic year online. There was a brief hope in January 2021 that physical classes would resume, schools would open up, kids would be back in school, and they would be in a setting that's most comfortable for them to learn in front of the teacher. But increasingly, it seems like that's not going to be possible this year. The second wave has mostly ruled out opening up of any schools before the summer vacation. So the need now more than ever is to get all of these children back on track so that the learning gaps that they've lived through and they've experienced over the last year don't expand. Hello and welcome to Unofficial Sources, a business podcast by The Ken. I'm Anushka Chikara. And I'm Alana Banerjee. And we're your hosts. In this episode, we look into the loss of learning experienced by children across government and private schools in India, what the efforts so far have been to bridge it, and how we can move forward addressing these issues on a systemic level. Stay tuned. 
So, Olena, the story on remediation that you wrote came out mid of April. Now, before we begin, what does remediation mean in the educational context? So to remediate anything in education is to basically repair or recover something that you might have lost in your learning over the last couple of months or over the last year. So a simple way to think about is that when we went to school, uh, when you went back from summer break, teachers would usually spend the first two or three weeks helping us kind of remember stuff that we might have learned before the summer break, but might have forgotten because of a break in routine and because we weren't coming to class. Now, remediation, while it's always been part of the Indian education system, it's never been required at this massive scale where kids have been out of school for almost a year and the learning has been really patchy. So now remediation effort needs to be sort of very well planned. It needs to be across all grades and it needs to be across the country. Um, But I want to take a step back before that. How did you get started with writing the story? So I've been reporting on the whole shift to online learning over the last year. We've been talking to parents, students, teachers, tutors about how they've managed this shift, right? And one of the questions that would consistently come up in almost every discussion I had was, is online learning really working? Now, we didn't have too much of a choice. The pandemic ensured that, you know, schools were shut almost around the year. And then in about early Feb, there was a report by Azim Premji University, which sort of showed that almost 92% of government school students in India across second to sixth grade have forgotten at least one specific language ability. Now, sort of to unpack that, think about a language ability in English. So for instance, How do you fill in the blanks or say, how do you identify a word? Something like that, right? Or something numerical. For instance, how do you do addition or how do you identify a prime number? Now, these are basic foundational things that students need to learn so that they don't get stuck in senior grades. And what this report essentially showed was that a year of learning at home through WhatsApp, through Zoom classes, what have you, has not really led to learning, has in fact deteriorated the learning levels of these students. These problems with the Indian education system are endemic and COVID has just kind of exposed them. You're very right. I think I think some of these problems have always existed in the Indian education system, especially the problem of being a couple of grades behind than what your actual grade is. So what COVID has done is made repairing this learning loss really, really hard because you have to understand that learning loss isn't just linear. It's not just that you've forgotten what happened in the previous grade and that's all you need to fix. Learning gaps expand as kids go from grade to grade and they sort of compound on each other. These problems differ in severity across different income groups. Over the past year, work to address and remedy these problems have been done by a patchwork of non-profit and for-profit company. So to get an understanding of the problems faced, their impact on students and the way to move forward with remediation, we'll be speaking to three different people who are approaching this across these sectors in their own way. These sectors being private schools, government schools and affordable private schools. A majority of Indian children who are being educated today study in government schools. That's 65% of all students educated. 
about 113 million children. So we should keep that in mind because this is where the majority lies. So first, do you get the scope of government schools? We called in Natasha Joshi. Natasha supports philanthropic activities at Rohini Nilekani Philanthropies and has a background with educational institutions on the grassroots as well as policy level. There are issues with the public education system at large, even in regular course. And I think those issues have all gotten exacerbated. And given the fact that schools are closed, I think a lot of the populations that the government school system especially serves are also high-risk, high-need populations. And so if we look at the scenario right now of the public education system, schools have been closed for most part throughout the last couple of, you know, I mean, I suppose like primary schools have been closed almost for 15 months. There has been some intermittent school openings for the more middle school and high school segments. So what are these endemic problems in the government schooling system that she talks about? You have two, three big problems. One is when the pandemic happened, most of the pivoting happened online. And you look at high-income schools, naturally all of the children and their families were able to transition online. With the government system, first there was that struggle just in terms of both virtual pedagogy, access to devices for teachers to be able to even teach and connectivity for teachers to be able to teach. And then, of course, on the other end, there is the issue of access and connectivity for children. So I think there is a lot of debate around how many children are actually online and actively learning online. So that means that you have a huge number of children that are just not being served by the education system at this point in time. But what's the kind of place that the public education system holds in the lives of these children? Schooling is, you know, not simply about numeracy and literacy. It is a place for children to sort of develop their connections, socialization. It's for them to have routine. It's for them. And in the government school system, especially, there's also all of this, you know, all of the provisions which are pertaining to your meals, your, you know, your uniforms and all of that stuff. Plus, there is a, there is a segment of children for whom schools are safe houses and safe places for them to sort of, you know, feel safe from the environments at home, which might be a lot more stressful. And as if these were not dire enough, there's another added burden over all of this. Money and resources. Of course, you know, we have the challenges within the government school space of resources in general which I don't think changes whether it's pandemic or non-pandemic. But even if you think of reopening schools, there is always this stretch on resources in terms of what one can allocate appropriately, whether right now it is laptops and data, etc. for teachers and students uh, versus what you don't have the funds for. The impact of this falls on the children and the community. While moving online addresses some of the problems, the loss of learning for students is manifold. So you're looking at a very large number of children who've not had access to structured learning for a very long time. What this does naturally is not only that children forget sort of foundational concepts, depending also on what age they're at, because at different ages you acquire different competencies. But I think that the bigger crisis is also a loss in routine for children. And I think that's a really big part of learning because when I've worked at a lot of different, you know, remediation programs, for instance, and a lot of remediation programs look at the content. 
in terms of you know what is the concept in math or english and how do we or language how do we teach that to you but they don't sort of look at study habits which is that what is the ability of a child to sort of concentrate stay make notes refer understand you know their own learning now the thing here is that learning gaps aren't isolated if they're not addressed properly they're going to kind of haunt the children throughout their education see i think when it comes to learning all learning is it goes on sort of building blocks so that's why there is a huge emphasis on foundational learning because the idea is that if you don't have your prior concepts and your very building blocks understood and clear everything that you have to learn after that progresses on the basis of whatever the foundational blocks are Okay so this is pretty serious and the impact of it is just beginning so what's being planned to remediate these children surprisingly not much yeah um so i think at this point in time i don't think that there is again there isn't a uh, uh, an a kind of very lively conversation around what remediation would look like because teachers have been teaching online so the idea is that there's some degree of continuous instruction that is happening i suppose when the new academic year opens there is going to be this big question and and again this is with the assumption that the new academic year is opening in person we don't know that yet but whenever it is that happens that more children are being able to you can capture more children but if we do want to look at the ideal way to remediation the first thing we need to do natasha says is diagnose the level of learning and understanding that different groups of students are at only after that can we begin remediation but again there's a catch time or rather the lack of it uh the part that's usually challenging is the amount of time that is given for you know core and core remediation so you know now if we're going to talk about remediation it it's impossible to scrunch 14 months worth of learning and and syllabus so to speak in 3 months it's not possible so one has to really think imaginatively in terms of how you would remediate if you had to kind of bring children back into the school system and assess where they are and then try to bridge those gaps so some of the creative ways that you know b- both government schools government systems as well as um, you know non profits have, have tried with is like i said the foundational uh, learning and the foundational capacity approach which is to really cement certain critical concepts uh, after which children are able to also accelerate their own learning to some extent the second part of course is to focus on certain uh, concepts and not on syllabus completion so the idea has to be to delink syllabus from learning and the third thing remediation must address is routine and structure and the third part like i said is also to some extent building back study habits and building back the routine and discipline of learning so these are three effective things that different different ngos have also tried and i think that that uh, might be a good way to go forward but i think what's really important in the government school system is for there to be very clear communication from the administration on syllabus and what are the requirements for teachers when it comes to syllabus completion because given the legacy of the indian education system if one doesn't communicate that teachers will default to sort of syllabus completion so that's really really vital we'll be back after this break hi anushka here 
we wanted to take the break space this episode for something different. India is going through an unimaginably hard time as the second wave of the coronavirus pandemic ravages through our cities, towns and villages. The speed and scale of transmission has overwhelmed every resource we could turn to, from medicines to hospital beds to oxygen cylinders. We need to keep ourselves and our families indoors to protect ourselves and limit the spread of the virus. At the same time, there are people and organizations that are doing the courageous and selfless job of helping others, even at risk to themselves. The best we can do is channel our support to them. Please consider donating to these organizations. Donate what you can on donate.indiacovidresources.in. That's donate.indiacovidresources.in. It'll be linked in the show notes. Stay strong and stay safe. So the key here is remediation, but it's way more nuanced than just that. When we say remediation, we don't really mean a short-lived program that runs for, say, one or two months before the school year or during the school year. What we mean is that we need to fundamentally rethink remediation as a means to change the way these schools run, at least for the next couple of years. Now, let's take a look at the next phase, private schools. Now look, we just got into how government schools are severely underfunded, have internet and tech access issues, and students are already at a disadvantage, socially and financially. So when we're moving on to private schools that cater to a high-income demographic, things should be easy, right? Well, and you'll be hearing this a lot this episode, it's complicated. So to get an idea of what's happening, we called in Sridhar Rajagopalan. Sridhar is the founder of Eklavya School in Ahmedabad and Educational Initiatives. Educational Initiatives is a for-profit company that works with private schools to diagnose gaps in learning. So Anushka, what uh, we find is that the past year has certainly been a huge challenge for private schools. It was like something that nobody anticipated. I mean, on the face of it, we know things like teachers were forced to adopt technology. They had to completely rework their plans. They had to move to online teaching for a while. I think a much bigger issue has been the whole issue of school management fees. And then, of course, this huge uncertainty about when schools are going to begin. And just when people were really getting ready to restart, we've had this even more serious wave. Okay, now, this is where the complication comes in. In theory, private schools shouldn't have much of a problem with the pandemic. But this ideal would exist in a perfect situation. The reality is that they've had some major systemic problems pre-pandemic that has brought them to this point of reckoning. But from a learning perspective, uh, we would say that A lot of what we are seeing in the last one year, and this is true in other sectors like medicine and health also, are more of symptoms of the problems that already existed kind of showing up when they were put under pressure. Historically, the Indian system has been one where a lot of focus has been on rote learning. Our children are going through the motions, our teachers are going through the motions, but they're not really getting prepared for what they would need whether from a perspective of 
you know jobs or or later on in life or from a perspective of higher education or something that you are going to study uh, deeper on we had done a study where we compared learning levels in the top roughly 200 schools of the country with international benchmarks and found that uh, in grade 4 the performance of children in our top schools was lower than the average of about 45 countries internationally the impact on learning levels hits the larger lower income segment of private school students the hardest so the larger problem i would say is with what the system has done overall the covid impact has been uh, more pronounced like i said where uh, resources have been less and actually uh, very little among the absolutely top tier of homes and schools now educational initiatives has been addressing these systemic problems for the past few years so remediation for them means doubling down on their approach what is the reason for this mistake so this is all about research collecting of data since the assessments we do are large scale assessments it we get the data pretty easily these student interviews i mentioned allow us to put our finger on why exactly our children thinking in this particular way but the important thing is that you have this kind of data tabulated very very systematically you know that if i pick up this topic in science these are the list of errors that children make and this is the percentage of children who make the errors and this kind of an error happens more in children who are weak whereas this kind of an error happens in even the children who are performing well now the next space is affordable private schools um so olna i'm a little confused could affordable private schools be considered a subsection of private schools themselves what exactly is the difference between the two so anushka they're not exactly a subsection of you know the elite urban private schools that we see in in the bigger cities affordable private schools essentially came up as in 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 response to sort of government schools being low resourced or not being able to give good education to a majority of students so affordable private schools are typically run by one or two entrepreneurs they are small schools and they're unaided in the sense that the government doesn't support them with any kind of grants or anything at all what affordable private schools actually promise is less teacher absenteeism better focus on english and math and essentially they promise uh, parents from low income backgrounds that you know they'd be able to give their kids at least some level of decent education so there are about 400000 affordable private schools in india as of now and about 7.9 crore of our students actually of go to these affordable private schools so these schools end up actually plugging a very essential gap uh, in the indian education system to get an idea of what the past year has been like for affordable private schools and what their remediation strategy is we called in sumit mehta he is the founder of lead school which works with over 2000 schools across the country apart from managing its own schools lead provides teaching and administrative support to affordable private schools so lead basically partners with affordable private schools to improve their learning outcomes and school operations so that these schools can actually provide education which is on par with good quality schools in the country now the first problem that lead has faced in the past year is the blow to social and emotional learning 
that the pandemic has caused. So let's talk about fundamentals. I think what we realized was that remote learning is not as powerful as in-person learning, period. There is a delta between learning outcomes which are achievable between remote learning and in-person learning, all other factors being equal. And we had a good A-B testing because with the same curriculum, same pedagogy and same progressions, our end-of-year scores last year were 74% uh, versus 80% in the previous year. So we saw a 10 percentage points dip in learning outcomes uh, because last year was all remote and the previous year was all in-person. And there are various reasons for this, but the two big ones are that children between ages 3 to 14 struggle to be self-directed in their learning. I mean, that's why learning is mediated by a caring adult like a teacher. And remote learning makes this difficult because the opportunities for most kids to tune out are enormous. And those opportunities are not there in a physical classroom as much. And the second is learning is not just acquisition of knowledge, right? I mean, it's a whole body social experience. So what happens in a school in moments between questions and answers, between peers, in the hallways, canteens, between assessment, feedback, remedials, all that gets missed. So... We also know that a child's social-emotional standing has a bearing on their academic outcomes. So this is the fundamental reason why online uh, or remote learning has struggled to be on par with in-person physical learning, whatever anyone might say. And we just have to accept it. And that's why we are very eager and impatient for schools to reopen safely. But the core problem here is deeper than just the struggle of online learning. We all know that, you know, poor teaching leads to poor learning, irrespective of the mode, whether it is remote or in-person. I mean, if you do poor in-person teaching, even then it will be poor learning, right? And so this is not a problem only of last year. It's a persistent reality in India. Last year exacerbated the issue because schools fired teachers because they were not getting fees from parents. And therefore, quality plummeted because, uh, you know, you really didn't have enough teachers to take care of the children. In fact, what we did uh, with Lead School at Home was to uh, get our academic team to teach, like I mentioned, and parallelly coax schools to bring back some teachers and build capability amongst those teachers. So this helped us deliver the results. And the third problem is access. We know that not many children have access to a 1 GB daily data and a device to access online classes. Maybe 50 or if we are generous, 100 million uh, out of the 260 million school-going children. So there are a lot of children who've just been left left out of learning of this whole year. And if I complete this thought, I think the last bit about solving for learning gaps is that once we teach, we got to assess and then remediate. We've seen that when that loop gets closed, then you know, learning gaps actually can be covered in situ, which is while the learning is happening. Otherwise, we'll have to wait for the year to end and then start a bridge course before the next year starts. Now, given this context, what has lead strategy been towards remediation? See, our fundamental design is based on spiral learning. And what spiral learning means is that you teach two children in a multimodal manner so that different children can learn in different ways. And then you assess their learning. And then before moving them to the next unit or next class, you remediate for the gaps. And this was happening in physical classrooms through the use of our teacher app and the school academic system. In the remote learning environment, what we did was we said we've got to take a two-pronged approach. The student app would basically drive assessment and remediation because as the child is answering questions, the app can figure out whether they have answered correctly or incorrectly. And if they have answered incorrectly, then the remediation content is served to them automatically. But the second path is compliance uh, because 
like i said self direction for students is a challenge in this age group so the school teacher or the local teacher was given data on completion rates and performance rates so then she could loop back with the child if, she, if for example a child has not taken the quiz or the practice test for assessing the learning she would drive that take this test and then the scores are say, shared with the teacher in addition to the remediation happenings we basically had to do double feedback loops because we realized in a remote learning environment compliance was a bigger challenge content was not that bigger challenge so through this two pronged approach we've been able to deliver spiral learning i would admit it's not 100% as effective as in person learning but our end of year scores show that the gap is 10 percentage points and not higher which i think is a reasonably good outcome that we've been able to achieve on the ground operators which are teachers people helping the government put together remedial programs people across private and affordable private schools are aware of the constraints and know that this bout of planned remediation won't be able to address historical gaps in student learning that have existed in the indian education system but the urgency is the shortage of time they're trying to deal with repetitive school closures improve social and emotional well-being of students and address learning losses but they want that to be with the teachers focus on syllabus as well and that leaves only so much time in an academic year so alna how do we move forward from now i think as we've spoken to different experts as we've seen in the course of reporting this story remediation has to be a core part of the school year uh, going forward it has to fundamentally reshape the way we look at academic learning and that doesn't just mean playing around with the syllabus or cutting it or reducing it or pushing exams back it also fundamentally means that how we imagine a normal classroom right a lecture style classroom that that sort of prevalent across indian indian schools that also needs to change maybe a classroom is not a lecture anymore maybe it's groups of students at different learning levels learning together with a teacher as sort of a guide maybe it's something else maybe it's more introduction of technology in the classroom maybe it's more introduction of technology at home uh, helping students remediate you know what they learned in school that day but something we are sure now has to change and covid in a sense maybe has given us an opportunity in disguise to do these kind of shifts to kind of revamp the way we look at education and give india a chance to reassess what its learning priorities are and i think this is a pretty turbulent time for most people in this country right now but for children across india there is this added layer of education but a sentiment that i found that echoed throughout all the people i spoke to in the education space is that we don't give enough credit to children on their resilience and i think most people are feeling quite confident that through this we will kind of see the resilience of students across india shine and that's a happy note to end on absolutely absolutely